0: This is your Week in Gaming, episode 2, recorded for the 24th of March, 2023, to bring you all the latest news from the world of gaming. On today's episode of the podcast, I go back 20 years, Sam escapes early access, Chris becomes AI, and Richard goes exclusive. Welcome everybody to the second episode of your Week in Gaming. Apologies about last week, there was some things that had to be resolved, but everything is all good. I'm joined by my co-hosts, they're no longer guests, their report cards look spectacular after the, uh, the first uh, episode, so good
1: job guys, uh, you've passed the test.
2: I just want to say I'm not sorry about last week, it's only
0: Andrew that's sorry.
1: Yeah, I concur, <laughs> last week was not, not the week. Yeah.
0: No, it really wasn't, but uh, the main thing is everything is better and uh, we move on, we power on, but uh, thank you so much again for, for joining us. Uh, guys, has uh, anything interesting happened? Any cool games played?
3: Isn't that the point of the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) So
0: generally what people like to do is just find out how they are, how they're doing before they just start talking business.
3: Yeah, I know, but you just like start off with any good games. And I'm like, but that's the whole podcast. What? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll get through all of that and then go, right, guys, time for the podcast. Oh, wait, we, um, never mind. So, so, for
0: example, something I'm not talking about that I've been playing a hell of a lot of is F1 Manager 22. And I've been having a ton of fun with that. I've put in over 100 hours in what is essentially is a menu game. But I've uh, been having a ton of fun with that.
1: How do you spend 100 hours on any game, let alone a game that's essentially a menu? <laughs>
3: I still- How did?
0: How? It's a Formula One, and it's a really well-put-together uh, game. It's... Is this Formula One racetrack in a prison? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's on my PC in my office, which I suppose is kind of a prison. So,
1: Okay. okay. Do you pretend to be Jensen Button?
0: No, because Jensen Button is not in the game. He has since retired, but uh, I'm glad to. I'm glad to hear that you've actually... Atop of some racing world
1: uh, names. No, I prefer NASCAR. That's why I bring him up because he's in the he's superior NASCAR <laughs> format.
2: Hey, what was that guy in NASCAR yesterday that got out of his car and just like walked home from the middle of the pit, from the middle of the track? What was I his, his name? He just that. like, he just, he's like, I'm done with this now. I don't feel like racing anymore today. He just pulled over and got out and just walked back to the pits. And everybody was going crazy about it on, online. It was quite funny.
3: I I don't follow racing at all. So this entire conversation has gone over my head.
0: It reminds me of that video that came out uh, last year with that NASCAR driver that did a, clearly a gaming uh, technique of driving the car along the wall. He didn't let go of the accelerator and just went along the wall on like the last lap of some race and uh, it allowed him to qualify for the playoffs. Listen, no so I think you're just
3: describing the animated movie Cars, and that's not real life, Andrew. He,
0: he literally pulled a Cars move, and he just <laughs> held Accelerator, let go of the steering wheel, and he drove the entire way around via the, uh, the last corner and overtook like four people. It was wild. But uh, that was real life, or gaming in real life. But yeah.
1: Uh, Andrew, I can tell you what games I've installed and have subsequently not played, <laughs> if that helps.
0: <laughs> that that I feel for you is going to be a significantly longer list than
1: anything it actually else. is very long. So I'm going to start at the top it's Wonderland, <laughs> oh then it's Dwarf Fortress, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, and then Total War Warhammer 3. That, that's that's it. it's short.
3: That actually sure all of those me. games
1: are like
2: epically long games, though. You haven't like installed <laughs> a, a half an hour, like. You've installed games that take, like, tens of hours to play.
1: Is he like, Andrew, I want to be able to rack up 100 hours? or just don't know where yeah. they're going to come from. Yeah.
3: I will be installing games that I probably won't be playing because the Steam sale is on, and there's a lot of, like, super Wait, what? cheap games. So
1: Please hold. Uh, while we are talking in this podcast, <laughs> I'm going to be cooking through the Spring Sale. It, it
3: only started, like, five days ago and is only ending in, like, two days. But, um, yeah.
1: So, dear listener, by the time you get there, it'll be ended. Tough luck if you didn't get anything. (laughs) Rippers.
3: Uh, Yeah, so I guess we'll jump into it. So the first game that we're going to be talking about today is Sunhaven, which is probably one of the coolest games to come out this year, particularly if you enjoy life sims, if you enjoy RPGs, and you were looking for the baby of those two games. So this is like Stardew Valley, but like dnd diablo type vibe so you you start the game you've got your little farm right and you've got all your like you got your hoe and your your watering can and your pickaxe and all that crap yeah 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 you you always gotta have a hoe on the farm and uh (laughs) you you like you do the farming thing and there's like a mine and you can go do the mining and you do the smelting and the so like the typical life sim stuff and then you have a quest line And your quest line takes you to like this dragon that is the protector of the town of Sunhaven. And he's like, ah, I must send you on an epic quest. And then as you level up, you get like magic spells. You get like fireball and you get like chain lightning and a variety of other spells. And you go off into the wild blue yonder and you discover other towns. There's like a town of elves. Uh, I don't want to say too much more because it'll get into spoiler territory, but there's like different towns that you can go to and different characters that you can meet and there's romanceable characters and like you can choose when you do your character design. There's different races that you can play. So you can be like a like a Naga. You can be an angel. You can be uh, I mean, you could be a human if you want to be really basic, but you know, so you, there's, there's like options. You could be a demon. There's like all sorts of things that you can be. Um, Yeah, it's really cool. It's been in early access for about two years i actually got the game when it first came out in early access when like the money system was broken and (laughs) you could rake in hundreds and thousands of gold and it was great and you could buy everything it was fantastic and eventually they have patched that out and expanded on the quest lines and new characters and whatever 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 and it's fully fleshed out and now it's it's available it's completely released it's patch 1.0 it's got seasons and events and all the lovely things a life sim should have plus all the rpg elements and it has eight player co-op so you can share farms which is pretty dope
1: I, I'm, I'm reading through this the description for the game now It sounds amazing it but is obnox line says that the game's sort of cheating because there's no stamina is that true
3: yeah there's no stamina which is honestly the best f- part of the whole game like you don't have to run around with copious amounts of food in your backpack in case you've like hit too many rocks and you're about to pass out and now you can't do anything with your day the other thing that you can do is that there is like a daytime slider so you can determine how long your day is anywhere between yeah. 10 real life minutes and 40 real life minutes will determine how long your in-game day is so if you want to do something like you want to like go nuts in the in the mines for like an entire day you just slide that up to 40 Body, and you have so much time to actually go and do stuff, like I hated how constraining other games like stardew and and uh, yeah and um Harvest Moon and other games like that are because I don't want to have to run around with all that food, taking stuff in my, taking up space in my bag. I want to just do stuff.
1: And Then Bravo says that uh, multiplayer is a lie. It's a layered multiplayer. You don't actually, like, for instance, fight a boss together. Is that true? Uh,
3: so I haven't. Yeah, I, I, I if I remember correctly, you don't actually fight the bosses together. But you, you share, So you, you can share your resources to an extent. So what my friends and I used to do is like we'd be three or four people on a farm and be like, all right, cool. Your duty is to go into the mines. And you mine a bunch of ores and you make gear for all of us. And then one person is like, your job is to be on the farm and you're going to like basically make us the money and create all of the the farm stuff that we need. And then we all kind of do that stuff together. And then we venture out onto our quests. And so most of the stuff you do together, but when you actually go into your boss fights, they are like instanced for one person.
2: So, I mean, we're talking about the same sort of deals like World of Warcraft or any of those games that have instances in boss fights, but you can only do them by yourself.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, basically all of the boss have a help mechanic. So you don't get help by another player, but you can like, so there's one boss where you have to jump rope and you press space bar at the right time uh, and then your character jumps and you jump over the, the rope. But if you, obviously if you're too slow, then game over and the rope speeds up. But if you're struggling, you can be like, ah, I need help from the girls in the village or whatever. And then some girls come and they help you and they help you do the jump rope thing. So you can like get help from, other characters, but just not from like real life characters. Cool.
0: Sounds pretty interesting. I didn't like, uh, you know, with Stardue Valley, the same thing as you're saying that you feel so rushed to <sighs> go into the mines to go and do things. And there's only like your days are so constrained where you basically wake up, you find the most optimal way to run to the the docks, to the pier to go and fish for the day and then go in time. And okay, cool. Once I've got hit this time, I have to then run here, go and sell the things. And speak to these people at these times. It just felt very rushed. I like the fact that, hey, you know what? I've got plenty of time. Stretch it out for 40 minutes to then do what you need to do. Pretty dope. I've watched you play it and it looks like a lot of fun. It's now on my wish list to, <laughs> to try uh, at, at some stage. Maybe There's actually
3: some other cool quality of life stuff. Like, for example, you know, if you play Stardew and like you need to go talk to somebody, but they're in their house and you can't go in because you're not friends and you're like, all right, cool. Guess I'll wait till tomorrow. In Sunhaven, you walk up to their door and it's like, you can't go in, you don't have enough friendship, knock, and you knock on the door and the person comes out of their house. It is amazing, people. There is so much quality of life. Also, the fishing game is so much better. I hate the Stardew fishing game. I think it is the worst thing in the world and I'm glad I never have to deal with it again.
1: If Richard was in one of those houses and you knocked, he just wouldn't open the door.
2: (laughs)
3: I'm on the second floor
2: most of the day, and I look out the window, and every time somebody rings a bell, I look down, and I'm like, do I want to talk to that person? Nah, and I just don't <laughs> answer. I probably do it twice a day. Um, but, I mean, I do every now and again answer. So this game looks very cool. I mean, I, I, I'm, I am quite badly out of the loop with new things that are coming out because I don't really play games very often anymore. So when you told me about this game uh, last week, I I was pretty pretty interested and also thank you to the developers who are one of the few that actually imported this game to Mac so I can play it as well Um, because you know the the Mac gaming life is not really one of much substance so But yeah, I've actually bought it, so I'm probably gonna play it as soon as I get some free time, which was unfortunately not this last weekend. So probably this weekend I'll sit down and give it a try. So Samantha, the influencer, caused me caused at least two sales of this game last week. No. <laughs> yeah. News from Microsoft now, and we can finally expect to see a game that is arguably set to be one of the biggest of the year, especially when it comes to sales. That's Minecraft Legends hitting our screens on 18th of April. And, of course, it'll be included in Game Pass. Don't worry if you're a Steam user, PlayStation, or Switch owner, because it'll be releasing on both of those platforms, too, on launch day. Really nice to see, you know, first-party Microsoft titles coming coming to other platforms on launch day. I like this. I like it a lot. It sort of puts that uh, worry of COD uh going to microsoft and, and blizzard activision going to microsoft and the playstation kids not being able to buy a card it sort of puts it to rest a little bit don't you think anyway the core gameplay loop falls into a genre close to real-time strategy and we'll see players adventuring through the microsoft biomes on a quest to survive that'll mean building foraging fighting and, and fighting the invading pigland armies and the best part is you'll get to do it with friends in a baked in co-op mode and even multiplayer competitive modes so anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big Minecraft fan. I've been playing it for a very long time, and I, my, me and my uh, Canadian friends have a server together that we enjoy uh, very often. Every time a new update comes out, we wipe the world and probably spend a good a hundred hours or so in it, uh, building all the farms and all that sort of thing. So, anything that has a Microsoft, uh, at least a Minecraft tag on it, I'm there and I'm in. And this sort of feels like a mix between. Uh, diablo and
0: minecraft maybe with a little bit of base building i must say i've only started playing minecraft this week for the very first time with some american friends at first i was like i mean i don't really see the appeal to this 10 hours later uh was several feet you know hundreds feet below the ground busy mining and I just lost so much time. The amount of creativity and everything that's available to you in Minecraft is just mind blowing. And seeing what my friends have, they've got leather farms, they've got uh, like these lava machines that they fill buckets with that they can use for like just uh, constant burning resources in their furnaces and things. The, the way that people can just go absolutely wild with this is is phenomenal. So I'm getting onto the Minecraft uh, bandwagon. And I uh, was watching a little bit about this Minecraft Legends, and it's uh, it looks pretty good. I might just give it a try.
1: You missed opportunity there to say you were going to get on the Minecraft minecart, but um, I'll forgive you for that.
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I realised.
1: Uh, yeah, it looks uh, those always those games always look interesting to me, but um, I'm just honestly always put off by the by the pixelation, the the art style. Just not my jam. I could never get into it, but um, it did spawn a whole category of survival games that are similar in many respects, like your Valheim's and stuff. Which you know, um, those I do play. I just yeah, can't get over the pixelation. Don't know why.
2: Yeah, you're one of the few that are are uh, sort of put off by the retro pixel gaming style that seems to be making quite a big impact.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so, so this
2: is less pixely. Sure, it's still it's still blocky, but like you know the the. It's it's much smoother than it, than you would imagine a Minecraft game would look, and the art style is quite uh, cartoony more than I'd say blocky. Although you can clearly see it's Minecraft, um, its its graphics are not as not as retro as as the game itself.
0: I do like what you mentioned, Richard. Um, the The whole thing about it's releasing on multiple different platforms on launch day, and it's not ha, it's only Microsoft platforms, so PC and Xbox you know stuff everybody else It
2: yeah
0: it, it does give that bit of sigh of relief that maybe we're moving a little bit away from you know platform exclusives you know like sony have had their exclusives and xbox has had theirs i i feel gaming should be inclusive and you shouldn't be locking your stuff around a specific platform which um i'm very pro for so big ups to microsoft
2: yeah i'll i'll go into that a little bit later on in the podcast so i'll put that on <laughs> on my opinions on that on pause for now
3: i have genuinely never been a big fan of minecraft but this so this goes back to like original original minecraft when literally all you were doing was like kill things dig build a house and and that was it just over and over again did build better weapons to kill other things Build a nicer house. Like I'm, I'm generally not huge into open world. So like I play life sim games, but I, my, my house in Sunhaven is bare bones. There are no decorations. There, there is none of this crap of like I'm gonna create fancy stuff. Disney Dreamlight Valley. I don't even have to make the decorations. I'm still not decorating. Like I don't care about that. I want to like do the actual gameplay. So for me, games like that never had any sort of appeal. But they've obviously branched out since then. You had like Minecraft Dungeons, and now there's like this thing as well. So there's, there's clearly like they're they're adding more purpose to the games outside of just diggy diggy hole, buildy buildy tower, which is cool. Yeah, so you know,
2: I think you're describing the game as a as a building uh game whereas it 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 is that but it's also uh there's you know there's a lot of depth to it there's a there's a social aspect to it if you're playing with friends there's an engineering side of it if you're into redstone and redstone building and automation it's a lot deeper than just building diggy diggy buildy buildy but obviously that is a big part of it and and early on in your sort of quest into minecraft survival that is uh that's the whole game so you know it's deeper than you're describing but i do understand why people don't get behind it i mean also it's to me it's just it's not even the game itself it's the fact that it can transcend ages it can transcend genres it can transcend you know cultures and countries and it's it's something that's accessible to almost everybody and that in a game is quite special and it doesn't happen very often
0: i mean exhibit a I'm more of a, you know, MMO kind of player, and now I've just started delving into Minecraft and started building a house and everything, and the fact that the whole engineering, the Redstone stuff is pretty cool, so uh, definitely looking forward to it, and uh, Minecraft Legends. So I'm going to jump us back about 20 or so years ago, but uh, Game Ranchers reported that Blizzard may be adding hardcore realms to retail or classic WoW in the near future, For Diablo players, this mode would sound familiar to you, but for those that are completely oblivious to the franchise, including myself, this is a mode where a character is permanently deleted when they die. There's no passing of gold to your next character or to somebody else, or maybe that bind and equip item item that you have been farming and saved in your inventory to maybe just send to another character. Nope, it is gone. All of this was discovered in the public test uh, realm for dragonflight patch 10.1 by fan and twitter user miorar now it isn't confirmed if this is for classic retail or wrath of the lich king but it is an exciting prospect as we live in a time where players continue to challenge themselves and push for more iconic moments in a game that's realistically been at the pinnacle of mmos since its inception about 20 or so years ago um have you Diablo players ever played a this hardcore mode or even attempted it in World of Warcraft?
3: I think it's dumb in an MMO. It's really <laughs> dumb. I think it's great in a like a single player experience where you're like, all right, cool. I'm gonna try and do a thing, and I have done hardcore mode, and and it is as the name suggests, hardcore. But like, can you imagine, right? So you, and particularly in classic, I'm gonna start out as a cute little level one player, right? Mm-hmm. Level three, you pull an extra boar, and you're dead. Okay, mm-hmm. now you start again. At your early, early days, not the end of the world. You get to max level. I'm gonna go do a dungeon with my friends. <laughs> the dungeon wipes. Well, guess I'm starting from level one, boys. Now say, I mean, it's, say you
2: manage to, to
3: make it through the dungeons and you gear up. Alright, folks, we're gonna go raid. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, it, if it, like, if it, if it doesn't include dungeon and raid content maybe but even then like why it is such a it's such a grind to get to that point and there's so much extra content added continuously i feel like it's just dumb
0: (laughs) i think it definitely appeals to a different kind of 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 player there's going to be those people that are going to want to push themselves now the hardcore mode i had attempted on a a different server shall we say you know classic just to see what this experience is like now i got to level 14 in old school classic you know vanilla wow before i died and my character got deleted which was you know disappointing but i was up for the challenge and i played again and got to about level seven or eight before i made the jump to retail uh, well at least wrath of the lich king classic i definitely think it's got its appeal it's not going to be for everybody but i think feel like especially with nostalgia really being you know at the forefront of a lot of people that are still playing classic they're going to find their way to to challenge themselves i mean we've seen in wrath of the lich king players uh, and teams doing naxxramas speed runs i mean clearing that whole raid in 40 odd minutes which in the uh, the past when it was first released was taking a week for people to do it with two three raid nights we're now clearing it in 40 minutes all our um, speed runs are also taking about like an hour or something to just do that massive 13, 14 boss raid. So I feel like it, it, it appeals for a specific kind of people. If it does come out to Wrath of the Lich King classic or even just normal classic, I think I'll give it a go. Would I hit level 60 or 70 or 80, whatever the level is in whatever expansion? No clue. But I think it's, I think it's going to be a ton of fun to at least try.
1: Speaking from um, you know Diablo because i obviously don't play wow at all but speaking from the diablo point of view it's uh, hardcore always changes the way you play right it's a different experience entirely um i remember playing diablo 3 Um, you know you get to the first or second boss or whatever you go in it's like, it's such a non-event after a couple of runs hardcore changes that you know you you actually like it's a different experience a different way of approaching the game um different strategies entirely so like I think if gaming is about accessibility, like so many people keep saying, and and you know I'm a proponent of that, why not add a mode that'll change the way the game is played? I mean, th- this game has been out for what two decades. Man, yeah. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe maybe people will enjoy it in a very different way, a very unique way that they've not been able to, um, you know, experience before, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I I
2: think that uh, I I same I agree with cement that feels like a very strange thing to give to World of Warcraft, which is naturally by definition one of those things that you keep playing and you become incredibly invested in and your characters are like your kids and you and you and you build guilds and relationships and friendships and all that sort of stuff through through your characters it feels like a really strange uh thing and 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 getting to you know level 70 and dying feels like the worst thing in the world but i also think you might miss, uh, underestimate the amount of time and effort people are willing to put into gaming um and especially the speedrunners and those people that glitch runners and the people that you know if you ever watch somebody speed speed speedrun minecraft it takes about 45 minutes and they do it over and over and over and over again for for days and trying to get to like 20 minutes and i think that sort of dedication is something that you might be underestimating but i also think it's really not mainstream appeal there has been um uh, there has been a, an unofficial hardcore uh, mind, uh, World of Warcraft server, and people have been playing it for for the longest time. Um, so it does exist uh, unofficially, but it, it's, it must be popular enough that Blizzard is willing to put resources into it. And I, I don't know how many people are going to do this, because I wouldn't, because I don't like wasting time when it comes to game. I, I don't have enough time. But maybe people who have more time, or streamers that do this for a living, and that will... You know, it will find interest in it. I don't know. For not for me. what, it,
0: for what it's worth, I had a look at some of the uh, the screenshots from like the uh, the data that they had were able to to obtain, and it looks like it's not going to be multiple realms or anything. It's going to be a single realm mm. for it, which will be hardcore, which will be denoted that when you start it, like, look, this is a hardcore realm. If your character dies, your character is going to get deleted. Are you sure? And even when creating a character on the realm. So if that is the the case, I'm, I'm all for it. If it's just a single realm. I mean, I don't think it's worthwhile loading up, you know, seven, eight different uh, realms. I would also appeal that they do not make it a PvP realm. Because no. I think that's going to add an, an <laughs> another level of griefing to it. And a whole different uh, kind of challenge. I mean let it be completely elect in if you want to be involved in pvp cool if not it's entirely fine um but it it does it it is a cool mode to at least try um and as chris said it does change the the way that you play
3: the idea of the pvp hardcore mode spicy (laughs) (laughs) oh man i just died let me make this new level one character wait what's that level 60 doing no please nah fam
1: <laughs> imagine the 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 sense of power and accomplishment if you're that level 60 and you slay someone else at level 60 let's just start level one there's no accomplishment there but you know but like a 1v1 where the winner takes all like the winner walks away and the loser doesn't like oh that's mm. imagine winning that i would be ecstatic howling over the corpse of my enemies <laughs>
3: brutal.
1: The Diablo 4 early access beta got off to a chilly but predictable start. Mm. Uh, long, long, long wait times um, and terabad stability uh, for those who were trying to, to get in. Yeah, If you were used to the error 37 from Diablo 3 days um, then this would have felt like some mechanism straight from the 7 hulls. Blizzard reported an issue affecting our authentication service, which impacted tons of would-be hull slayers with those slow or failed login attempts. But if you did get in, players were able to explore the dark and eerie world of Sanctuary, battling demons and collecting loot. The Early Access beta included three classes, the Barbarian, Sorceress and Rogue. Gamers lauded the graphics and gameplay as well as the new skill and talent systems. All of this, many said, were reminiscent of the blizzard of old, back in its uh, you know heyday before Diablo 3. Um, overall, the early access beta was a huge success and we can't wait to see what else Diablo 4 has in store for us. Up next is the Diablo 4 open beta between March 24 and 27th. Um, anyone will be able to play this version and players who took part in the first uh, open beta weekend will see their character progress carried over to this next beta. Um, they'll be also be a new world boss for those for this one and uh you can play as two more characters the druid and the necromancer the official release date for diablo 4 um is june 2023 and one thing is for sure it's going to be an absolute blast stay tuned for more updates
3: i played the closed beta i had one disconnect all weekend i had a 25 minute queue and I had zero problems for the rest of the weekend. And I'm not saying that to like try and disprove what everyone else was saying. I'm saying this to say, suck it, nerds. I got to play. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was a ton of fun. I played the Sorceress. I played a Fire Sorceress. And like early game, it was a little bit difficult. But then I got my Hydra. And my Hydra was just like pawning noobs. And it was fantastic. I'm, I'm so hyped for this to release. It's going to be so uh, good.
1: I ask you, are we back to Diablo 2 or do you think we're in a hybrid Diablo 2, II, mid-Diablo 3 space but just with all the good things from both?
3: Yeah, bit of A, bit of B and a little bit of column C. So the, the skill tiers are definitely more reminiscent of Diablo 2. Not exactly the same. You have... Oh god, it would it would be complicated to explain. But it's it's a lot closer to the Diablo two style than the Diablo three style. Obviously, it's got that kind of Diablo three darkness, the advanced graphics. Uh it's a lot more smooth to play. As always, Blizzard cinematics are top notch. Uh, so it, it's been a pretty good mix of the two. But then obviously there's that kind of like MMO aspect of it where now you're running around, you're seeing other players, there are these like big world events, and you can do a lot of the world events on your own, but sometimes like other players will show up as well. The great thing is that it is group or it is personal loot. and It is not like a free-for-all because that was one thing that everyone hated me about in Diablo 2 because they'd be killing things and I'd be running around yoinking all the loot. But no, now it is actually very, very personalized, so you get your own, your own stuff. Um, yeah and then obviously like world bosses work similarly to world of warcraft so they'll they'll spawn at a particular time and you have to be there at that time in order to fight that world boss and you do need to have a group for that it's not really soloable content but there's also really cool like there's dungeons and certain dungeons will have rewards for certain classes or buffs for certain classes so it's almost like a class dungeon but even if you're not that class you can still do the dungeon which is quite cool um Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And there's a lot of like little towns around the way. So whereas in like Diablo 2 and Diablo 3, you would find a waypoint, you would go to that waypoint and you'd be in like a a zone where you have to kill monsters. Now all of your waypoints are in little towns, which are close to where other quests are going to be. So you're always close to a town where you can um, vendor stuff, where you can repair and whatever, whatever. And also there are no more unidentified objects at least not that I found. So I didn't have to go back to town and click on a book to get things identified and figure out if it was worthwhile. You pick up an item and you just it's there and it tells you what it is and it's great.
0: that might just be something that they add later on. But well, was there a thing
3: that dead, you could so...
0: <laughs> Wow, spoiler alert. wasn't there wasn't there
2: a thing oh. where you could take with you to identify items?
3: No. Well, I mean yeah, in Diablo 2 you had scrolls of identity. Yeah,
2: that home thing
3: yeah but i mean it was then you had decad cane so that you didn't have to spend oh. the money and then in diablo 3 decad cane dies in act one uh and then there's like this book and you like click on the book and the book identifies everything for you it's very strange yes andrew
0: that was just a spoiler to Diablo Three. Yeah,
2: I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry.
3: 13 years later, sorry I guys. Like, I
0: feel like the moratorium on spoilers has <laughs> passed for Diablo
3: Three. <laughs> to be fair, that's
0: um, just, just just kidding. But uh, it does sound like pretty fun and everything. Tell me, did you play Richard's favorite class, the frenzied barbarian? The
3: No, no, I only played the, uh, the sorceress, but like the barbarian. So I have a friend that played barbarian and there was a bit of a stuff up because at level 15, you get a specific class quest, but the barbarian class quest was in an area that you can't access in the beta, which is fine when the game goes live, but obviously for the beta, it's a bit rough and it unlocks some stuff for your character. So when he, when he got to a specific campaign boss, not like a world boss or whatever, he really struggled because he couldn't do the class quest. So that was a bit like, eh, iffy, iffy. Uh, I only got to play the one character. I had a busy weekend, but uh, hey, this weekend is round two.
1: Awesome. Looking forward to it. I am actually definitely buying this over the during the week. I think payday is on, on Friday. That's when I'm I'm dropping uh, whatever the amount of money is that they need on that.
3: All of it.
0: And it's going to be added to that extensive list that you have of games yet to yep. be played. Yeah, I'm going to add yeah, it to add, install said- games.
3: <laughs> Tell me something. Are you going to, are you going to like, you know, add on to that with the amazing collector's edition that doesn't include- Oh, no, I'm not
1: a <laughs>
3: <bitch>. <laughs> Solid.
1: Fantastic.
0: So this week's playable, uh, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a dice roll and talk about Larian Studios' new game releasing in full later this year. The game- I just need bo- to
2: stop you. And can we not do any more puns for the rest <laughs> of the episode? Okay, you can carry on now. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had enough? I'm done with puns
0: for today.
1: <laughs> I, th- I thought they were so good. I mean, I'm enjoying them. I'm on the other side.
0: <laughs> His dad pun meter has been met so far. <laughs> so anyway, going back, the game that we're talking about is Baldur's Gate 3. Whilst it is a game in the franchise, it does take place 100 years after the events of Baldur's Gate 2. So if you're concerned about oh, having to play, uh, I wouldn't be too concerned about a game that came out 23 years ago. The game begins where a player-made uh, protagonist is in seek of a powerful cleric in order to cure themselves from being infected by a Mind Flare. The Mind Flare, also known as Illithids, are seeking to restore their empire from the depths of the Underdark. Um, so it's based on the, uh, the SRD, or the System Resource Document for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Um, it's a modern tabletop RPG using the D20 system, and it is a similar system Larian used for their previous award-winning title, Divinity Original Sin 2. Um, The game is set to be released on consoles and PC, and with cross-platform capabilities, you'll also be able to play with friends should you wish to. You can create a Dragonborn Sorcerer, maybe a Githyanki Paladin, or even a Dwarf Rogue. You can slay creatures, persuade vendors, and let your decisions pave your relationships in the world around you in this immersive and large world of Baldur's Gate. The game is set to release on the 31st of August 2023 at a price point of $59.99 or for our South African audience, 800 Rand. So have you played BG3 or Divinity, anything like that? Maybe the historical ones, Uh, considering it comes from Larian Studios and the the absolute success that Divinity Original Sin 2 (laughs) was. (laughs) Two
1: quick quick things I have to add here. One, just a public service warning to everyone listening to this. Do not play this game with Richard. He will ruin it for you. I just want to add that. Okay? Point number two. Point number two. I have played uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. Great game. Way too long. Just way too long. Like, that game took, I felt like, forever to end. And I was playing with a few people who like to explore every corner of the map. Maybe that was the problem. Because there's just so much in these games. Like, I feel like value for money these people tick the box like several times so like great lore great game but just yeah way too long guys Do you know what i've like, I, I, I like
2: i really like divinity original sin 2 i really did i thought it was amazing i played it as a group once and we played through it and it was it was a lot of fun i have a few criticisms that the quest system and the way they log the quests and, and the and your objectives is a little janky And it takes a little bit of work to figure out what you're supposed to be doing, which I guess because it's a a quote unquote hardcore Dungeons and Dragons based RPG, it should kind of be acceptable that way. It's not a tick box quest thing like you'd get in World of Warcraft. But my main concern, my main sort of criticism was that necklace thing and how long it took to get rid of, and how long it took before you could actually use your source power, whatever they called it in Mm. that game. It took long hours of gameplay before you could get there and okay. i get why they did it but it just felt like i was being gated the whole time behind this necklace thing that was stopping me from doing it and it sort of put a damper on the first like eight hours of gameplay
1: yeah and that was built as a tutorial right that whole section yeah. was like to be yeah. that was not a tutorial dude that was like act one and two <laughs> <laughs>
2: but figure. that said the combat and when you got into a fight other than the Other than a lot of fire, it was a very entertaining game, and it was just challenging enough to be that you could always almost die, and sometimes actually die, and and it was a big deal. But when you died, it wasn't like I would just cast a spell and raise you. You had to manage those resurrection tomes or whatever they were, and they were very expensive to buy, so you had to keep yourself alive. and And that was it. It was it was very nicely balanced in that way, and it was something that I really enjoyed. That it was an actual challenge. But the amount of times that the team got actually wiped was very small. So there was just enough challenge to keep it, you know, tense, but not enough of a challenge that we felt like we were playing hardcore World of Warcraft. So, you know, and and Baldur's Gate, the first two were really great. And they were were from Microsoft, right? I can't remember exactly. And they also did the Guild one, and that was also very good. I don't know why I can't remember its name right now. Dungeon Siege. Dungeon Dungeon Siege. uh,
0: Dungeon Siege, yeah. Although that
2: wasn't a Dungeons & Dragons hardcore dice roll game based gameplay it was also really good so i mean if they keep it up with that sort of stuff it's a no-brainer that it's going to be great and we might yeah. come out of early access one day even
1: just a clarification it looks like the developer um the chatbot says is for biowave or... I'll, I'll just get to i don't know richard if that means anything that to does
3: you. sound right to be fair yeah
2: Bioware. so they made neverwinter Nights. yeah um and they also made knights of the old republic i think so they've got quite a long, uh, quite a long list of games that they've done in the past, and they are sort of known for their story-based, uh, like very, you know, very rich lore type of stuff. Did they make? Did they make Kotor? I think they did. They were Mass Effect. I can't actually remember. They did do Mass Effect. Yeah. And so, like their their game stories are very in depth.
3: So I haven't played yeah. these. Yeah. So but... I
2: just googled it. They did do KOTOR. I was right.
3: So I haven't played uh, any of these Baldur's Gate games yet, but I do intend to play this one because it looks quite good. But I do have a funny story about Mind Flayers, which uh, Andrew is aware of. So I'm just going to... So, fun fact. uh, There is a Chinese dice maker who made a set of dice and called them Mind Flayer dice or something to that effect. And Hasbro slash Wizards of the Coast sent a cease and desist because Mind Flayer... Is intellectual property of Wizards of the Coast. Turns out, Wizards of the Coast did not, in fact, patent, trademark, copyright, whatever the name Mindflayer. So they actually don't have any rights to the term Mindflayer. So they are now fighting in court about the ability to use that term, which is an integral part of a lot of uh, the Dungeons and Dragons lore and you know all the stuff that surrounds that. And a lot of people are saying, "Well, there's precedent because they've had it." for an incredibly long time they've been using it for a long time they can prove that like listen look this has been our thing forever but they still don't legally own it which is really funny
1: someone's getting fired ah.
3: <laughs>
0: if that person is still around but uh, all, all that kind of stuff would have been detailed in the srd um i believe that they have been working a little bit closely with wizards of the coast as well in in the making of the uh, the game to obviously get the law right about boulder's gate and the areas around there I have played about 30 or so, 40 hours of the open beta access, early access and everything that it's been in for for about two, three years now. They've been doing some really big, massive updates along the way, especially in the last few months, Um, introducing the last few classes, made the cinematics look even better. The music's really good. And so far, you can only play up to Act 1 in the early access. On the full release date act two and act three will become available and you will be able to at least take your saves over when the full game is released so fortunately there's that if you uh, have been playing and you've put hours into characters and a and a scenario that you really really enjoy at the moment
2: yeah i like that they're taking that allowing you to keep some form of your progress that's great
3: yeah, Heaven did the same, which is pretty dope. I would have been really sad if I had to restart because I've put a lot into that game. But anyway, uh, on the topic of D&D, uh, we can move into my soon-to-be successes segment. And folks, if you enjoy TTRPGs, boy, do I have a Kickstarter for you called The Black Ballad. It's on, sorry, not a Kickstarter, a um, crowdfund. It is on BackerKit. Not Kickstarter. Black Ballad, it is a new campaign setting and world and like with campaign elements. So it's not just like a world. There are actual, there is like a story that you can follow that's included. And it asks the question, what happens after a TPK? Total party kill. Everybody's dead. That's it. GG's. Uh, Normally what happens at that point is you start a new campaign or everyone makes new characters and they discover the bodies of the previous adventuring party and then go on to, you know, complete whatever quest it was that killed them. In this instance, however it posits the existence of an after- afterworld. And it's built up around the idea of like clerics and all of their incredible magics to like revive people, their powers over life and death and stuff. And so the Black Ballad has its own like city in this afterworld, afterlife thing. And it's kind of like, there's a few ways that you can play this. So you can do this as like, if you're a DM, one of your players has died and they're waiting for the party to resurrect them, assuming the party is going to resurrect them. You could kind of slip this in as like a solo kind of one-shot thing for that player. Like, Oh, you've died. Um, or you could actually do it as like a TPK thing. So maybe you started off as like your level ones, and oh, look, an ancient red dragon. Now you've all died. Fret not. Uh, we now begin in the Black Ballad, or uh, a lot of what this does it's actually aimed at kind of level 20. so you've finished the campaign, you've done everything, you've set off for your life in retirement and along the way, ancient red dragon, <laughs> whatever the case is, and now your entire party's dead. and so you go to this afterlife and there's like a whole bunch of other quest stuff that you can go through. It comes with really cool music um, that they've added in as well if you if you back the project, it's got like 30 acts. it's also got multiple side quests. Uh, It's the kind of thing where decisions matter. So um, it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure type style. So the decisions you make have severe impact on how the story is going to end. And it sounds really cool. And obviously, it then adds some classes and um, extra stuff for the the classes that already exist and whatever. It's compatible with 5e, but it is not strictly 5e. So you can use it with just about any D20-based system is great which is why i said kickstart or why I said ddrpg and not dungeons and dragons specifically yeah overall it looks really freaking cool so yeah black ballad on backer kit
0: so i went and actually had a look at this as a forever dm just about <laughs> and it is a it looks really really cool it's a great little concept and the fact that you can even you can use this as its own you know campaign on its own you don't even need to start with a, fa- yeah. a, a a party then they die then start running this you could actually even start it like you know straight from this where there are characters already that have passed away and group up in the uh in this in this world of you know the afterlife it's, it's really cool because I've also found that like the the standard stuff that has been released, but was it, there's not much about the the afterlife or whatever the case may be. There's a bit about the other realms and stuff, but uh, this is really, really cool. And it isn't like badly priced at all, like to get the, the stuff that you would want to to run it. I mean, if you really want the big loot boxes and things, you're talking a couple of hundred odd dollars, but $40, $40 to get, um, you know, the PDFs and stuff, really, really cool. And it looks like it's loaded with a lot of stuff.
3: I, I definitely like, uh, I want to back this. There's about two weeks left to back. So I'm likely going to back this because uh, I think it's really cool to like support the creators. What I've also found really cool is that they've added in their stretch goals. Uh, if they get to certain amounts, they will give their workers a raise. Which is so cool. You never see that in like stretch goals. There, there's always stuff like, oh, what are you as the um, buyer going to get? And I suppose for a buyer that's less of a draw card, like, oh, cool. The people making it are going to get paid more. But from like a humanistic perspective, I think it's really sweet that they're like, all right, cool. Thank you guys for backing so much. We can now pay our people more. They can have more than bread and water for dinner. I feel so
1: like they should cool. only do bread and water until they release the game.
3: <laughs> Could be. <laughs> well,
1: Imagine how can...
0: quickly games would be released then. Yeah.
1: Then we can judge their success <laughs> and whether they
0: deserve a raise only potatoes during crunch
2: (laughs) i kind of like it i like that they're giving the employees something but i also feel like that sort of success shouldn't be based on the kickstarter it should be based on the overall sales you know so like if you can get as many people as you can to back us before something is created then we'll give you a bonus and i'm sure that that's in their contracts that they get performance bonuses based on the game's success and all that but I don't know, if this, that, that like oh, will give you a bonus if you're kickstarted as well. It feels like something I'd find on r slash anti-work on Reddit. Like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've had a look at their stretch goals, and every single one has just been crushed and everything. They're currently, as of right now, about $115,000 of their $65,000 original goal. So they've put in a lot of work. Um, it looks really, really good. And uh, yeah, I want to get my hands on it.
1: It'll probably re- release before that game where you can just look at your starship, right? In the hangar as well.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, Star Citizen, yeah.
1: Just don't say its name. <laughs> <laughs> is, it like,
2: is it like Voldemort? <laughs> yes. The game yeah, that must not be named. Yeah, if,
1: you, you, if you say the name, it, they ask you for more money. It's like oh, another, another Kickstarter for the next expansion that they haven't released a base game yet. <laughs>
2: Lord. Oh. Ridiculous.
1: Uh, we've got some exciting tech news for you. ChatGPT4 has obviously just launched, which you've probably already heard a little bit about. Unless you, like Andrew, live under several rocks at the local rock pond. ChatGPT4 is loaded with new features. For starters, it's built on the ChatGPT 3.5 architecture, which means it's faster and more powerful than ever before. It's also equipped with state-of-the-art natural language processing technology, which means it can understand and respond to your comments uh, commands much more accurately. One of the most exciting features of ChatGPT4 is its personalized recommendation system. So based on your search history, queries and preferences, it can recommend relevant and informative articles, videos and podcasts. Um, This feature allows you to discover new content that you may not have found otherwise. Uh, To try it, we actually asked it to recommend five games for Richard who we described as a miserly old man who manages a team of 20 plus people and doesn't want to be on this podcast with us. The games (laughs) it recommended very accurate factorio football manager 2022 civilization 6 stardew valley and papers please uh The ChatGPT 4 cited these as relevant because Richard enjoys the challenge of making tough decisions and managing complex systems as well as deciding the fate of his human underlings. Another fantastic feature of ChatGPT 4 is its chatbot, which has been designed to assist you with your daily tasks. It can do things like book appointments, make reservations, and even order food. Um, Daily life getting much, much simpler. (laughs) Its natural language processing abilities ensure that it can understand even complex requests, making it a powerful tool for anyone needing a little bit extra help um, last but not least it comes with a built-in translation feature meaning that you can even order food in other languages uh, in summary it's a bit of a game changer in the tech industry I'm sure you've heard a lot about it and uh, uh, can't wait for it to be used even more frequently what do you guys think
0: so first things first I want to find out Richard How many of those games were accurate to games that you've either played and enjoyed or currently play?
2: I'd give it like three and a half, a soft half. Um, Factorio is amazing. Uh, Saajee Value is amazing. And Papers, Please was very good. Football Manager 2022, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a fancy database and civilization six i I'd, I'd, i've never really loved the civilization games i enjoy them but i've never loved them so i'd say three and a half like for probably for civilization is definitely not a point football manager is like a soft point maybe um but i mean three out of five isn't bad but also those are pretty safe options factorio and stardew valley are very safe options for somebody who manages people for a living papers please was probably the most out there suggestion um although it appeals to my like my red nature but it's 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 reasonably accurate i'd say what i'm looking forward to when it comes to this sort of stuff is when they leave gpt behind the generative pre-learned whatevers and they start going into like actual intelligence that's when i'll find these things impressive they're impressive now don't get me wrong and they get more impressive by the day but they're all pre-trained. I, I want to find, I want, I'm waiting for the non pre-trained AI to come around. Cause that's when it start to, It's going to start to get super scary.
3: Yeah, I think the the thing that concerns so um, I'm currently doing a psychology degree, and we have a like a forum with a bunch of the students where we discuss certain things and whatever. And one of the topics that we were discussing uh, over the last month has been essentialism and social constructivism around gender, so masculinity and femininity and stuff like that. Which of course turned into discussions around feminism, and there were a bunch of articles that showed that ChatGPT and other AIs were pretty biased because. Obviously, it learns its language and it's basically everything from, you know, the way other people have spoken, what you find on the internet, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So because it's, it's learning from bias, it espouses bias. So there are a lot of like worrying things about it. And it's one of those things, right? Like you couldn't just put in... Hey, Chat GPT, write me this assignment for my school um because you will fail because <laughs> there is some incorrect stuff, there are some biased things. so it's not a it's not a like a full foolproof solution for your everyday thing. But what you could do, like what I was doing with my assignment is I would be like, okay, cool, this is what my assignment is can you recommend articles that have been, and and you specify like peer reviewed articles that have been written about subject X, Y, Z. And it'll give me like a list of 10 articles. And then I can go and read those articles and see if they're relevant for, for my assignment. Another cool thing that you can do is you can be like, so if you're afraid of plagiarism and you struggle to write things in your own words, you can be like, paraphrase the following and you can put in like a sentence or whatever, a line of text, and the chatbot will then paraphrase that bit of text so that you aren't like doing a full on copy pasta. So there are ways that it can help you, but it's definitely not like a full on solution for everything.
1: Yeah, It's mm-hmm. also really good at summarizing um, copy, especially legal copies. So people who don't want to read 20 pages of TNCs or contracts, yeah. um, it started, it's done really, really well. Like just giving you uh, like one page summary of 20 pages, which is absolutely huge. You can then also ask it, you know, please outline whatever is like not normal. So what is usual for a TNC? Okay, show me what this TNCs includes that isn't standard. And so it does a great job of pulling out things that are, um, you know, not close to to whatever it considers standard. Because it has such a bulk of you know research that it that it can um, you know content that it's actually used in in when it was being trained, Um, so absolutely you know great for for that as well. Cuts time down. I'm sure Sam, when you're researching and trying to find 10 articles on a particular niche. you know, topic on, on Google Scholar, that would normally have taken you hours and, you know, a lot of time you'd have a lot of really bad articles too. This now helps you and gives you a direction within 35 seconds, you know, and it's really great.
0: Yeah, the the resource capabilities that it has, you know, if you're trying to find something, for example, with, with you know, studies, I'm busy doing accounting and the last module that we just did was corporate governance risk management. So it was all about the King 3, ISO 3, 0001 etc and the the king 4 report is a massive document to go through however using chat gpt you're able to get summarized parts of the the sections and it 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 was a great tool in order to you know do some research on things um even finding articles you know of other companies that have had ethics fail or ethics successes and everything especially if you're struggling to to find what's you know the, the correct search terms to put into your, your your search engine it's it's a phenomenal tool and as Richard says I think once it starts working on more live information and AI really takes off currently you're just kind of left with a what you put in is what you're getting out kind of thing which which does you know it means it's not a perfect system but it's definitely a powerful tool and I think as AI becomes more and more powerful as we go along. I think we're going to start seeing more and more great things that it can do for us.
2: Yeah, yes. I agree. I think. I mean, if this is a gaming podcast. I don't want to get too far into it, but there's there's a book called uh, Free Economics by Stephen Levitt and Stephen Day J Dubner. It like does that whole thing where you were talking about with like with comparing random things like they'll compare you know names of people and how that might affect your your income and and future prospects and stuff and, and chat gpt's bias reminds me a lot of that where there's like there'll just be you know minor biases based on the smallest things in its training that can cause it to have completely unintended effects but anyway let's just leave the chat gpt thing there it's getting a bit philosophical um in this in this week's news nobody cares about game rant has compiled some statistics From about from software's Elden Ring, and more specifically, how many times and how players have died in the famously punishing open-world RPG. Just two percent of deaths have come from other players, fourteen percent of deaths as a result of fall damage, and fifteen percent from status effects. But naturally, the biggest cause of player deaths are NPCs and enemies, responsible for sixty-nine percent, nice, of players nice. meeting their maker. Overall, nice. overall, just over nine billion deaths have been recorded in the world of Elven Ring. That's pretty Elden Ring, pretty staggering when you consider it came out in February last year. If my math is right and I can divide two numbers, it's about 20 million deaths a day since it's released since last February. That is quite, quite amazing. I mean, if you think that that's a sustained amount over a year, is it's something.
3: That's like that's the, um, the Hogwarts Legacy uh, number of evil wizards killed is something like 1.2 billion or something even yeah. ridiculous
2: madness it's amazing how it just shows you sort of the impact i mean sure some people will be die in seconds over and over again but like you know it just shows you how how many people are playing these games and, and elden ring is not exactly what i'd call a mainstream game you've got to really like being punished and be pretty good at games to enjoy it so even a non-mainstream game, so to speak, is is cracking nine 9 billion in-game events. I mean, 9 billion is a staggering number.
1: I wish more developers actually publish this sort of data when they capture it, because you know they're capturing it, right? But yeah, it of course. Just, it's, it's so interesting, um, and it just makes you appreciate whatever take they've taken or whatever you know is happening in their world a little bit more, especially if you're not playing it. I love this sort of thing. It immediately makes me ask, like, how many lemmings do you think died? back in the day
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i am personally responsible for a good few thousand lemmings (laughs)
1: that's be just just a a number that we cannot even yeah just unfathomable number
0: and then also just shows you you know considering that many deaths there are people that finish this game by, like, playing on a Dance Dance Revolution dance mat, Such which is also, dance. which is phenomenal. They finished the game whilst playing on a dance mat, which was unreal. There was... Uh, Listen, I
3: think that she contributed to those deaths trying to finish the game I, on a dance mat, like... Mm. S- most certainly, <laughs> without a doubt. And I know
0: that she's also currently doing another challenge or is has finished a challenge where she's playing two games at the same time like one on the computer and then one with the dance mat at the exact same time and she's done pretty phenomenally with that as well it's uh it's staggering and uh i would like to see as as chris said let's get more companies to share more of these things
3: that's a level of adhd that i cannot even comprehend
0: <laughs> fun fact about lemmings
2: it was made by the people who made the gta series dma design before they became rockstar
1: oh i did not know that you've just made yeah. my day that's brilliant and it explains so much about that game now <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and about the subsequent rockstar games right yeah, exactly DMA, this, the history of gta and dma design is actually a super fascinating story there's a book about it i can't remember what it's called but it is worth a read if you haven't read it um and also yeah uh, you know, there's quite a few good book good gaming books maybe i should make that a segment once one, st- one yes, stage I, w-
1: I want that book now but now <laughs> you need to tell me the name
2: i'll look it up i've got it so i'll find it
0: we would like it for the next podcast, please, Richard. That is no,
2: your no homework. <laughs>
0: homework. Everybody's got to read it. I've read it, so I've done my homework. <laughs> You've done your homework already. Some of us haven't even started it.
2: Now, I know the rant of the week is kind of something that we all look forward to a little bit. It's my turn to pick up the uh, the gavel, I guess, so this week. And now, you may not have heard about an upcoming movie called Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves, which is a film based on the tabletop RPG in the world of Forgotten Realms. Um, the film releases generally on the 31st of March, which is in about a week's time. And I'm excited to see it because I've been playing DD for, I don't know, about the last 20 years or so. Um, so I'm interested to see it being taken into a movie, especially Forgotten Realms. But. In true zeitgeist trends paramount studios released a press release this week to say that you can watch it two whole weeks early in other words a couple of days ago if you were a amazon prime subscriber this is the sort of gatekeeping and gaming and gaming related things like Dungeons and dragons order among thieves that just really makes me upset You know, these—it's a brand crossover. I don't know how it comes about that Paramount gets into bed with Amazon Prime and releases a movie and allows people. Amazon must be paying something for this. I don't know, and it happens all the time. And it's not just about this. I mentioned earlier that that Microsoft want to buy Activision Blizzard, and and everybody panicking that it's going to mean that Call of Duty is going to have time gating and, and exclusivity gating on Microsoft platforms like Windows and Xbox. And, and and all you know in in Steam and Epic Games pay developers to have stuff on their on their platforms and stores for a certain amount of time before it gets put onto the others. It, you know this sort of gating just makes me so upset. It, uh, you know this should, everything should be accessible to everybody, no matter where they want to play it and or watch it or consume it. And uh, you know and, and in the beginning. Even with Netflix, in the beginning Netflix had stuff from all different studios and and they were the sort of aggregates of all the content, then all the other companies decided they want to get on that bag went and they pulled their stuff off of Netflix and put it onto their own streaming platforms. So now instead of just paying Netflix, we have to pay for Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and Paramount Plus and all uh, and Netflix and all the other things. It's it's gating that is anti consumerist and it makes me so mad.
3: So anyway. For me, I think like, so if a Disney movie is coming out and then Disney says, if you have a Disney Plus subscription, you can catch this movie a week in advance. I don't, I'm not as upset about that. And if it's global, okay, globally, if you have a Disney Plus subscription, you can get the thing in a week in advance. I don't hate that. It's very, very Disney. It's all under the Disney umbrella. They want to reward the people who are consistently supporting them month after month after month. I don't hate that but this where it's like Amazon Prime only in the US so not globally and what does Amazon even have to do with the with the making of this movie like it 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 feels like very very gimmicky nonsense and that to me is is upsetting to me it's kind of like like with Diablo right if you pre-ordered you got access to the the closed beta don't hate it some people do whatever i paid i'm happy to be rewarded for paying for something and everyone was able to have it but when you when you then lower it down to like a certain geographic area or you you separate how relevant the platform is from the people who are creating the thing that then it starts to get really stupid
1: i am on the other side of the fence i don't care it sounds awesome don't <laughs> <care>. <laughs> i don't you, literally- know, you know i don't
2: i'm fine with that I'm, I'm fine with the fact that you don't care and but you know the problem for me is that it. it it ends up being the consumer that suffers because instead of just having an Xbox you have to have an Xbox and a PlayStation and a and a Switch or you, and a gaming PC or you have to have subscriptions to all the different you know streaming platforms and you know there's things like um the the cloud gaming stuff now is sort of making it a bit more accessible where you can play your games via cloud gaming so there are some some ways that you can get around it but ultimately it just feels like all these sort of money grabbing companies that are trying their best to to take you know control of their content and, and and the income streams back are actually just ending up you know making it more difficult for the consumer and music has got it right if you subscribe to spotify if you subscribe to apple music if you subscribe to deezer or whatever apple prime music whatever youtube music you can listen to almost every song in existence on every one of those platforms. So why is it not the case in gaming and movies and series and those sort of things? Why has music managed to do something that the others haven't?
1: Yeah. I have because, money. <laughs> because money because <laughs> money but
2: why doesn't it affect music like it affects the...
1: Yeah. It, 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 it's a good question i understand your point on on it affecting consumers and while personally i don't care it's something that we grapple with i mean i don't know if any of you um probably know and, and i'm not one who's done this but uh, recently the backstreet boys tickets went on sale do you know that if you were a discovery member you got you could you had a period before everybody else where well, you could buy yeah, tickets, yeah, right? Yeah,
2: stupid. It's so. And stupid.
1: so, like I I know that upsets you, Richard. And for me, I'm like, but if I'm a discovery, like if I'm in uh, part of that discovery group. I would have been elated, especially if I wanted those tickets, which I, just for clarity's sake, do not. But if I did, <laughs> I, I would absolutely be dope. And, and that is also going to influence my decision of which companies I want to go with. So uh, as a marketing strategy, it's highly effective. It's very clever. And I think that's why I appreciate it because now I'm not a Discovery member. I'm going to be like, oh, man, I really...
3: So as I said, because was- money.
1: <laughs> yeah. <That's-> I mean, <laughs> it wasn't even Discovery. It was just
2: Discovery Bank. And I'm a Discovery Bank client, so I I don't use it as my main bank, but I have an account. And I didn't, I mean, I don't want to buy Backstreet Boys tickets, but even I was like, that is quite, you know, it's quite a slap in the face that like you're offering. I mean, Discovery must pay something to have this, and is, unless you really liked a band or group or whatever that was coming here, you know, enough to go and sign up for a Discovery account so that you can get this pre-sale of 48 hours or whatever. And every time it's happened out of principle, I've actually checked. I've gone after the two days and looked how many tickets are available and the Discovery pre-sales aren't actually worth a huge amount. Like you can still easily get whatever ticket you want after the 48 hours. So it's not like you're getting massive benefit from it, but it's it's just it's it's gatekeeping it's keeping content away from people unless they do xyz and that's just anti-consumerist and for me if i want to spend my money you should be making it easier for me not harder and And yeah it might be good from a marketing perspective and from from a customer acquisition perspective but in terms of a consumer if i'm not a discovery bank client am i going to be happy that i've got to go sign up for a bank account to go and buy a ticket probably not
1: but that's why it's so, a funnel. It's not, it's yeah. not the, the, the always on. It's just one funnel. And it's usually per activation. It's, it's you know, not consistent.
3: But like, so so this again falls into that category of like two completely separate things that suddenly have a deal together. And it, to me, I also think that's a little bit scummy. But I remember when Linkin Park came to South Africa and they were like, if you are part of the Linkin Park fan club, which you obviously have to pay a monthly subscription for, you have early access to buy tickets. And for a band like Linkin Park, okay, let's take a second. The the golden circle, the the general standing, all the good tickets are going to sell out immediately. So of course, I joined the Lincoln Park fan club right then and there, so that I could get my early access tickets for my golden circle. Is
1: required. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah yeah look i actually i'm not i'm not as mad about that i don't know why and i can't explain why i'm not mad about that but that's a first party thing right you get all you're doing is just giving the band a little bit more money than they'd get from concert sales or the ticket sale directly so if you're a hardcore fan of of that band you're you're funneling money directly into their pockets via their fan club so i'm not as mad about that as i am paying a corporate company Mm. to make more profit so that i can get something it's it's yeah. a weird it's a and, I re, and maybe my reasoning is it not quite uh making sense but it, it's i don't know I, I i just when a corporate company tries to make more money via gatekeeping something i just yeah you know, i don't know it just it just doesn't agree with my sense it's like From capitalism gone think. mad but that's explain that describes the whole world
0: really
1: yeah richard is hashtag tilted and i love it <laughs> are <I> you <laughs>
0: So just don't gatekeep things. Allow it to be accessible for everybody. Chances are you'll make more money by doing that as well. But that's just my two cents.
2: Well, you don't know how much more Discovery is giving big concerts or whatever to keep that 48-hour lock, right? They might be making more money than they would on pure sales, big ticket sales. Because all those tickets tickets are going to sell eventually. So why not get another like 50k from Discovery or whatever? It's probably more like 500k from Discovery to...
1: The so people you know, I knew who were sitting in the in the queue could only join the queue, um, obviously after those 48 hours to get tickets, right? But I mean, some people were like number three and a half thousand sitting in a queue. People started stressing about availability of tickets. They started like buying as many they could for friends and family. Like the. The pre-allocation also gives this perception of not having enough. Um, yeah, it was just it was apparently by all accounts crazy, um, and these these shows sold out quite quickly.
2: What do you call it in marketing, Chris? It's like a, a false illusion of demand.
1: Yes, exactly, 100%. Yeah. Um, you, you feel like the show's already half sold out when yeah. in fact you've only sold a small amount of tickets but the perception is the reality and then people just uh, madly stampede for tickets that they don't need.
0: It's the fear of missing out, FOMO. FOMO! Well, that rounds up on news in gaming this week. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two of your week in gaming. Uh, just a very special shout out to Esports Central for giving us a platform for us boomers and millennials to talk about <laughs> games. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast and by email at yourweekendgamingpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Andrew, and you can find me on Twitter at my name is Pengu. Uh,
3: I'm Sam. You can find me on Twitter at Nari Mizuki. And if you can spell that, then you can find me. If not, too bad.
2: I'm Richard. Don't find me.
3: <laughs>
1: uh, I am Chris, and I recently deleted social media. Did you Really? <laughs> No, you're lying.
3: We sound like an addiction group. <laughs> you like you 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 like
2: messing with people on on Twitter too much. You know, you're...
1: trolls. Oh gosh, yeah, it is
2: still there at Sargon underscore Za. You
0: liar!
1: Don't them.
0: People are going to find you, Chris.
1: I'm always doing like attacking me because I've like said I support corporations. They're gonna come for me.
0: Yeah, they are our next episode will be out on friday the 31st of march 2023 at 7 a.m gmt plus 2 and across all major platforms Uh, we'll see you again next week bye
1: bye